Welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today, Eddie is going to be talking to Austin Crane, a friend of ours and an amazingly talented musician. Um, he is putting out a new record, or just put it out rather, called When the Day Leaves on French Kiss Records. And uh, yeah, how'd it, how'd it go chatting with him, Eddie? It was awesome talking to him. You know, he uh, he spent a lot of time out in Seattle and kind of worked in that scene. Uh, but I think he always, you know, uh, from what he was saying, he always kind of felt home at home in Columbia. And it's really awesome to, to have him back in the area. And uh, I've listened to his record so many times already, and it is excellent. And I, I think everybody's going to dig it. Well, I'm excited, man. He's, uh, you know, in addition to just being like an incredibly nice guy and easy to talk to, he's just really consistent with his work. I mean, I've never heard him put out something that he doesn't have misses, you know, they're all hits. So it's really, uh, I, I think he's, I don't know. I'm proud to have him as a Columbia citizen again, but yeah, this is going to be our episode with Austin Crane. Hope you guys dig it. One time in a dream, I was glad that nothing made sense. I sing my head off, there ought to be a law against it. You make me so happy, I take it for granted. The hurricane's coming, I was lighting matches off the skin of the tree and in the belly of the beast. I sing my yeah, so the on the record, I recorded it um, in Seattle. Um, basically, went right back out there after we moved to South Carolina um, to do the tracking. But yeah, I'd written probably like eight of the eleven songs in the um, year or so, year and a half uh, before before we moved to uh, South Carolina. And then two or three of the songs were written uh, after arriving here, like Mockingbird, which is one of the ones that's already come out. I wrote that after. Uh, after arriving to Columbia. So awesome. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, especially cause it seems like the theme on that one is kind of, you know, reconciling with change and newness and oldness and stuff. Absolutely, um, man. Yeah. So that, that's really cool. What, when you were, yeah. when you were in uh, Seattle, um, in those ensuing years, um, after leaving South Carolina, what, what were you doing in Seattle? I was out there um, chiefly working on my PhD. That's why we moved there like six years ago. Um, so yeah, that uh, that was the, I guess, primary reason to move out there on my end, on my wife's end. She is a midwife. She delivers babies and uh, was working on her like graduate school to become a midwife at the time that we moved out there. And like midwifery is pretty, uh, pretty common and popular in the, in the Pacific Northwest. Like it's a, a much more like, I guess, common way that people will, uh, have a kid or have their mm -hmm. baby delivered out there. So it was a good place for her to be in that sense as well. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I'm still working on the PhD. I'm almost done. I, uh, when my, that was kind of what brought us back. My wife got a job here in Columbia as a midwife and, uh, those jobs are a little bit rarer in this neck of the woods. And we, we kind of knew long-term we wanted to end up back in the Carolinas just cause like you and I were discussing uh, earlier, like we have pretty deep roots in this area. Like she and I both grew up in, in the Carolinas and uh, yeah, like grandparents and parents and extended family around, but even in just Columbia itself, like so many of the friends that we have uh, known for like, 
the last 15 years of our life and stayed in touch with like somehow like a lot of them moved away and then one by one kind of came back to Columbia and now we're like all living in the same part of the city. So it was <laughs> like when Megan uh, got this job offer to come back, it was like, wow, we could, uh, yeah, we could have like a pretty cool setup there, like a very community, community centered life, which that's, that's, you know, hugely important for me and how I think about music and, and so much of my life. So, um, and yeah, like lately I've been fortunate enough, well, pre pandemic at least have been fortunate enough to kind of be doing music more and more and, uh, touring and having that be at least kind of a part-time job in addition to school and studies and teaching. So, um, I, I had some flexibility in where I lived. So that, that kind of was the decision to, to come back. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on, on the PhD thing in Seattle. We can talk more about that if you want to, but I, uh, I am in the dissertation writing phase kind of, I have like two more chapters to write and I'm hoping to defend it um, before the end of this academic year. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm spending like, (laughs) thanks. Yeah. I'm spending like four or five hours a day at this desk uh, writing right now. That's kind Mm -hmm. of like a huge, huge part of my life that and uh, getting stuff ready for this release. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like the discipline that goes into like writing and preparing to defend your dissertation has changed your kind of like work style with music? Um, well, it's, that's a good question. And it's kind of funny to be like sitting where I am and answer that question because I, a huge, a huge, like a really exciting thing to me about us moving back to Columbia is that we could, uh, move into a house. Like for the longest time in Seattle, we lived in a one bedroom apartment. So for me to do like any kind of like, I mean, I always have my guitar out. So I feel like I've been in a flow for a long time of like writing music and doing teaching or academic stuff kind of in the course of any given day, like bouncing back and forth between those whenever I was home at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now, uh, now that we're in Columbia, we, we, for the past year, we've been doing like so much work on our house. We bought like a 1930s house. It was very affordable because it was basically like the crappiest house in the neighborhood it needed like so much work <laughs> they're like broken windows and ceilings were falling in and I mean it, it uh yeah it just needed um about a year a year of uh renovation and construction work which is what we've done so um I've, I've been kind of since I haven't been touring I've been like managing a lot of that and doing mm-hmm. whatever work I can do myself but also like just kind of project managing the bigger like construction stuff but um yeah now uh to your question, I've, I've kind of got like a little basement space here where I've, I'm going to, you know, kind of have a, have a like writing set, dissertation writing set up with my computer, but also have like some guitars on here and a place that I can do some demoing and a little bit more like intentional building of a record, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, get a little louder too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm friends. My neighbors are really kind and sweet on each side so they're they're always like nice about that but um but yeah in Seattle we we lived basically right downtown in a small one-bedroom apartment so I had all my music stuff packed into like one closet so anytime I wanted to do anything aside from just like play guitar I kind of had to like it was almost like being on tour where you like unpack a van and pack everything up and then pack put it back (laughs) again (laughs) so I would uh I would you know it was a bit of a bit of a like project to make that happen in Seattle which was still you know 
still did it. And, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have a bit more space here in, in Columbia and to be able to, uh, yeah, start working on it soon, but yeah. Are you, are you the kind of person that, uh, takes time after takes time off, like after putting out a record and just kind of like, you know, I know a lot of people I've talked to are kind of like, especially if they're just putting out a record, they're like, Oh, I'm not going to think about music for three months from now or something. Do you find, do you have well, that kind of burnout? I don't think so. I, I have always kind of like enjoyed music in like music as a sort of, I, I guess I've tried to cultivate songwriting as a, as a craft or as something that I like sort of try to show up for a, a process that I try to show up for continuously. And, mm-hmm. uh, try to carve out space for in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I don't usually, I mean, I guess like I, on one level I do write towards records, but I also, um, just sort of like the idea of building a catalog of songs and, you know, like try to demo and like write in relation to that. And then when I have enough songs that feel like they could co- go here as an album, then start thinking about recording. But, but yeah, I, uh, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm always, uh, I'm always kind of like trying to make space for that and, and feel that's definitely one of the ways that I feel the most alive and in touch with that, my interior life. And uh, like, I don't know, have a chance to kind of sit with some bigger questions. I think songwriting has always been like that kind of space for me. And, and mm-hmm. uh, now that, now that I like have a label to put out music with and a chance to do some touring, I feel like it's also been something that I, um, yeah, like I, I can like devote time to you in a way that like is a bit more more regular in my life. But uh, but of course, the past year has been so weird in that way, right? And mm-hmm. and this and this is such a weird time to put out a record too because it's like I I love playing shows and um, I love going on tour within reason. You know, I try to keep tours kind of short usually, but <laughs> I, but I love them. Like it's like one of my very favorite things to do and. Uh, it also is, it's, it's strange to be putting out a record and not going on the road because like, you know, that's such a immediate kind of feedback and connection point where in my mind, it's, that's always been how it's worked. Right. You even, even back to like college days where I would just make like a, a record with like friends here in Columbia. And then we would like do a, a CD release show, you know, and that mm-hmm. that's always what it feels like the ultimate, uh, moment of a record you know and like with the last the last release i did a lot of touring after it and have a lot of really kind of sweet memories from that season in 2018 and 2019 touring the last record and yeah it just feels kind of sad i guess to not be doing that now and does does create a little bit of a i don't know vacuum or weird like space now to be inhabiting where it's like yeah the record's gonna come out in late february and then i'll still be (laughs) Columbia and uh, yeah I guess um, yeah I'm I'm gonna do like a live stream concert and if you you know um, try to try to like continue the life of the record how I can Um, but yeah so I I I guess like all goes to say um, typically like with your question like what happens after a release typically I've been on tour like playing a lot of shows Mm -hmm. so now in a season that that's not possible and it'll be interesting to to see, I guess we can talk about it again in a few months. <laughs> yeah, 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 hopefully. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, having a, a record label now and being able to go and tour and stuff. Uh, how did your uh, relationship with French Kiss start? 
It was, I guess I had just finished tracking Rhododendron, my last record. And um, yeah, I was just kind of trying to figure out how how to release it, who to partner with. And um, we had a mutual, I had a mutual friend with Paul and Sid um, who run that record label. Um, and yeah, just kind of had a chance to, they were in LA for a while and I was in Seattle and kind of worked out like with some of the touring I was doing to like connect up in LA and I had a off day for us to kind of hang out a little bit and, uh, yeah, they, uh, they had spent time with the record and I guess liked it and believed in it and wanted to put it out. And, um, yeah, yeah. I, I really like working with those guys a lot. Um, dude, sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to take my dogs upstairs really quick They're Uh, I feel like they're getting in the audio and it's just really fucking cool. no so. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. Cool. How can we witness our pain in the world? It's just a partial view, but I have seen enough. I felt the ground fall through, and we could be on the. But yeah, it's it's been uh, on the French Kiss thing. It's been uh, really cool to uh, to get to work with those guys because they have such a like legacy of putting out like. I don't know, records that I kind of grew up with, you know, like Mm -hmm. records that even, even before like college days and, or I guess early college days, I was like listening to like records like Visitor by the Dodos, for example, that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I still, I still really dig, but were like very important to me in in that season of life. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. So it's been cool to, uh, to kind of get to partner with, with them on the, on the music and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. It's in, you know, it's sort of around the same time I ended up getting to, getting connected with like booking agents for concerts and in the U S and in Europe too, which has just made that, uh, that much more possible and, you know, happened in a better way. I I did self, I was self booked for many years and booked my own tours and, you know, it's a bit of a slog. So it's it's been amazing to have (laughs) amazing to have some like great help with that and, uh, like a vision for how to tour well. And yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's cool, man. I, I feel like it's a huge, huge privilege and, and joy, honestly, like to, you know, cause I, I feel like at the end of the day, I, uh, don't write, I, I'm not like trying to write like hip indie music. I feel like I see myself as like a songwriter and know that to some degree what I do will be, uh, like if, if the project grows or if it, in how it continues to exist over time, it'll be because people connect with, with the songwriting, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I feel like to have, have people on the music business side that you get to work with, um, to, that, that believe in the songs and believe in like kind of, uh, trying to, to get them at a larger level. That's, that's been a really, I don't know, personally very encouraging and very, uh, I don't know, meaningful thing Yeah, that has determined a lot of what the last few years of my life have looked like. I feel like when those things came together, it was like, Oh yeah, I can kind of, do music a lot more regularly now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely see you as a songwriter. Uh, when I was listening to the record, there were points where not necessarily in terms of like sound or vocal style or anything, but there were some like kind of Bob Dylan-y moments where it's kind of yeah. like, a, like a talking blues kind of thing, um, which I really dug. And yeah, I definitely got that. I saw that lineage of like, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, you know. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely 
very influenced by both of them. And actually on this new record, I was spending a lot of time with uh, Desire by Dylan before um, before recording it, you know, just kind of, uh, yeah. So I feel like that was, that record was very fresh in my mind going mm-hmm. into the studio and, and definitely was a, was an influence on how the, the, at least at the level of kind of production, some of the songs came together. Um, but yeah, like, like Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan, Graham Parsons, a lot, a lot of that stuff is, is very uh, important to me and, you know, over the years has, has definitely shaped kind of how I learned to write songs and continue to want to, to do that. Yeah, for sure. That, <laughs> that album you mentioned, Desire, is probably my favorite of his, like, 50-plus album uh, catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ha- I've been like really I've been to say like a favorite Dylan song is a bit of a maybe like a scandalous thing to do. I don't know. There's so many good <laughs> ones, but I feel like maybe Sarah from that record mm-hmm. is my my favorite Dylan song. It's just so good. Every time it comes on, the way the song feels is like perfect to me. Um, the time signature and the way the track moves it has like I don't know. It's very like it draws you in in such a like deep way, but the song is really heavy and sad at some mm. level too. Like has that tension kind of perfectly. Yeah. It's so it. creaky. Yes. And yes, it has that exactly. kind of like microtonal singing thing. It almost sounds yes. like it has like hints of like, for lack of a better term, like almost like a Bollywood feel to it. Like that kind of like yeah. trilling, uh, microtone thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. For sure. So that's cool. So you're you've you're recording this album. You've been in Seattle, um, doing a lot of academic and musical work. You move back to South Carolina and basically immediately go back <laughs> to Seattle to record. Uh, <laughs> I I read that you recorded it sort of in a, like a smaller town um, in like a smaller recording studio. Um, what was that kind of process like? That kind of like live in the studio sort of moment for you i mean it was so fun i've i've never made a record like that before and i i wanted to every record i make i always try to create a environment with it or have like a sense of of space or like a cohesion to that but uh for every record i've made before this because of various you know like recording is expensive and it takes like the right people being in town at the right moments and you know mm-hmm. like value maker for me, especially over the years, has become like a collective with a lot of sort like centered on my songwriting, but has a lot of collaborators like across the country. And, you know, like making records historically has been like a few days here, a few days there based on where we can get studio time when Trevor, the producer that I've worked with on these last few records was was like available and in town. And uh, also like people like Amy uh, Godwin, who uh, has sung on all the records I've done. Uh, she lives in Portland now and teaches there. So you know, it's it's been a bit of a scheduling, uh, you know, just has been a bit uh, spread out spatially and temporally on previous records just because of those um, logistical considerations. But uh, yeah, so for this record, I really wanted to do something different. I wanted to just like be in the studio the whole time. And, and because I was in such a transient moment in my life, like having just kind of moved to South Carolina and we weren't like I mentioned we bought this house that needed like so much work we we didn't even move into it for like four months so we were like living with friends in town here and so it was kind of a perfect time just to uh to come back out and 
make the record in, in one kind of continuous sitting. So I did that. Yeah, I, I stayed. The, the studio, it's my friend Trevor Spencer's studio um, that he has been kind of building over the years. And uh, yeah, it's, it's called Way Out. Um, it's, it's in Woodenville, Washington, which is about, about 30, 45 minutes outside of Seattle um, across Lake Washington and like right kind of at the, at the foot of the, at the feet of the Cascade Mountains um, before, before the, it gets really kind of mountainous there. So it's, it's a pretty foresty, very peaceful, mm. beautiful kind of rainforest like area. <laughs> um, yeah. So I stayed out there. I think I went into Seattle like one or two times. Um, I think I had, yeah, I did. I had a birthday during the recording. So I went into Seattle <laughs> one night just to, like have some beers with some friends. But other than that, I, uh, stayed out in the studio, um, the whole time. And yeah, uh, I loved it. Yeah, it was very like I feel like our flow day to day was like I like I I would kind of just be in the studio all day and in the morning would just be reading or kind of working on music stuff or going on a walk or whatever. And then Trevor would get there around eleven or noon and we would just work through the day and into the evening. And different musicians would come by. Um, a lot of the people who played on the record, like Chris Acasiano, for example, did all the drums and percussion. He's he's an amazing uh drummer like primarily in jazz circles in seattle um but became a friend throughout my time out there and uh yeah it was like such a joy to have him on the record and yeah because he lived in seattle he could just kind of come out for particular days to do the percussion tracking or like you know morgan henderson did a lot of the woodwinds uh stuff um amy came up from portland on two different occasions and did uh did vocal sessions so i feel like we were able to kind of like with Trevor and I being in there every day, like get the kind of core of the song, guitar and vocals and uh, uh, general production, like mapping out the general production to get that groundwork down for the songs in a way that felt very intentional and processual and sort of moving through through the record. And then uh, to build to build up upon that with different players kind of as the uh, as the time went along it was it was such a fun process man i feel like it'll always be an amazing memory for me getting to make this record so and and it just was also like such a uh i don't know like what's the right word such a transitional moment in my life like between between these two places in a way like making this record was like kind of saying goodbye to Seattle so it felt kind of beautiful and heavy in that way too you know like all these people that I had been in like musical community with and known throughout my my time there um, especially Trevor you know he's he's like lived a couple blocks from me in Seattle and we've uh you know have a lot of a lot of water under the bridge in our <laughs> our friendship and like musical partnership so it felt kind of like beautiful to be making this record at that transitional moment, but also sort of like a, you know, final moment in the Pacific Northwest before kind of moving back, back to the, to the Southeast. So, yeah. That's cool. I, I, I can definitely hear that kind of tension between like, you know, even within one song, there could be on your record, like an acute kind of like sadness and like loneliness and stuff, or maybe, you know, on this situation be more like a leavingness and then also like love and, you know, friendship and like these deep, you know, kind of like, uh, sentimental attachments to stuff. Uh, so I think that really came through in the record. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I wanted this record to be 
I think a lot of the songs are like at the level of songwriting are kind of trying to figure out what it means to to be human and maintain one's humanity in a season like what we've been living through these past past few years you know and uh and i i have like there's a personal dimension to that where i felt like i've you know been traveling a lot these past few years and navigating like this move from from seattle to south carolina and all of the all everything that that meant especially like a move to come back home leaving like a pretty big city to like a kind of medium-sized southern city you know like there, there mm. were a lot of a lot of things that i was sort of working through with that particularly around like you know what uh i don't know purpose and direction in my life but also like community and what home is you know but then also there's like a lot of bigger like socio-political questions about like you know uh how like messed up our country is right now in so many ways and uh you know these things have deep roots but a lot of uh a lot of the uh, tensions, for example, around, uh, you know, race relations or uh, immigration, like the current administration has had such a, uh, the, well, I should say the Trump administration, because maybe by the time this airs, <laughs> it'll be a different administration. Uh, it, it definitely will, will. will be. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's happening in two days. Nice. Um, but yeah, you know, to, to be, to be living in a country that is exercising so much cruelty on a regular basis um has been has you know there's a certain heavy to this heaviness to that that um i think like the the song that just came out no one is missing i think the you know the first uh verse of that even is you know like i think the first line is tell me people make you angry uh people are your puzzle and i, th I think that kind of sums up like a lot of mm -hmm. At that bigger societal level, like what what do we do like with our anger? What do people do with their pain? Uh, you know, how do we uh, hold, how do we move forward in light of the really messed up and troublesome history that our country has? You know, mm -hmm. uh, and like yeah, and and just sort of like what does it mean to be living in kind of like the seat of empire in the world? Like our country, so powerful and exercises so much like power but like you know often that is I don't know like directed in really hurtful and I don't know harmful ways and to be mm -hmm. sort of like a taxpayer and citizen and resident and extremely privileged like in my position in this country um and you know so I, I don't know there's there's there are like I think around questions of humanity and shared humanity there are sort of like big societal questions I'm trying to in some way at least engage with often not like incredibly directly but in a few a few places pretty directly mm -hmm. but then also like kind of navigating this uh pretty transitional season of my life too that raised a lot of questions around uh humanity and community mm -hmm. and you know home and you know place I, I uh my, my dissertation research is on immigration as well so i i feel like that's an issue in particular that's been pretty heavy these past few years in our country like we've you know like a lot of policies at the southern border in particular have been just outright cruel and and harmful and i uh you know think about that a lot in relation to my research and uh yeah yeah i think just mm -hmm. being a geographer too raises a lot of questions about 
space and yeah. place and home <laughs> and location. So I, that's, I'm probably like primed to uh, write songs about that by the nature of my dissertation. Work yeah, which see, brings so. me to the note I've written in all capital letters, theme, borderlines. <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that would definitely be one of those examples of how I feel like on a song like Line Erasing, for example, on the record, or or in uh, No One Is Missing as well. I feel like there are some moments that have pretty explicit references to to borders and the work that borders do, and uh, yeah, the violence of borders for sure. That's something that I think a lot about in my academic life, and I think is just for humanity is really important to consider. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me quote some of your own lines back at you. Uh, sure. <laughs> you mentioned line racing and you said, uh, borderland blood keeps filling up for the canyons. Uh, I've seen enough of what the lines draw through. Um, that's one that really stuck right. out me, stuck out to me. Um, and I think you're right. That it's kind of like, it is a deep rooted issue. Like all these policies aren't new and they're right. not, they're not even most of them. They're not even Trump policies, but all of a sudden things that were being hidden and like swept under the rug and ignored are, have become selling points for this, like, you know, cruel, uh, this cruel face of politics and, you know, social relations and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even, even like, I don't know the, how, how, policies of asylum i mean our our country for so many years has allowed a really like inhumane immigration system to persist where like many people are here without documents and face like exploitation and their work because of that are subject to forced removal which yeah under the obama years that happened uh at a at a very high and frequent level um, so yeah, it's not just a Trump thing, but then like under the Trump administration, you see that asylum policy kind of changing to where people have to wait in Mexico now to like apply for asylum in the United States until their until their claim their uh, hearing comes up, and you know just the the outright cruelty and yeah, like you said, that becomes like a selling point for the base. Uh, mm-hmm. The yeah, it's just you know I, I think we and with with all the events of the last few weeks, I think it's. Uh, pretty clear that we have an increasingly uh, foaming at the mouth, like right wing in this country that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. So I guess that's why I like write songs about it to try to, <laughs> to try to, uh, um, I don't know, to make sense. Cause I don't know, especially being from this like part of the part of the country, there's like, you know, my life intersects with a lot of people that, I would off in many ways would consider to be caring and uh, good people and have known growing up to be caring and good to me, but then hold beliefs that identify with uh, Trump Trumpian uh, positions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I don't know, around immigration, for example, and I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's dislocating. I think It, it, it feels alienating and dislocating to, to realize that so many of the people that share, share your cities uh, and families uh, would sign on to this kind of stuff, you know, and I think it means we have a lot of, we have a lot of work to do. Um, And yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a tricky thing to like stay in, in relationship, but also, I don't know, try to, uh, try to 
convey the reality. I mean, I, I, I consider it like I'm, I'm grateful, like that I have a chance to, to teach about this stuff. Sometimes I teach geography classes and I, I uh, talk a lot about immigration and migration. That's like a very spatial process, you know, people, mm. it's like the most spatial process, people <laughs> leaving their home, crossing borders and territory to find a new home and, you know, all of the economic, political, social questions that come with that. And, um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a cool chance in the classroom to be able to talk about like, what is immigration? Like, why do you, why do people leave their homes? What are the reasons that people migrate? And then what are the reasons why people, that would make people angry, you know, like in the host country, why would they feel threatened about that? Or, you know, like to mm -hmm. sort of unpack, unpack the stuff through a, through a critical lens and actually, um, you know, convey like what's at stake. Like migration for many people is a act of survival, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. And anyways, I, I could wax on about this for too long, but I think it's, it's a, it's a strange moment to be, um, I, I guess it's like with the pandemic and everything it's, it's been, I think the, the past year in particular has brought a lot of this to light that has been around for a long time, but it feels like completely unavoidable now. And then it, in that moment with so many people showing their true colors. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I do think there's a historical precedent for it though. I was rec sure. reading recently. Um, it was, I, I want to say like in 41, they did like a huge, you know, nationwide survey of Americans. And one of the things they asked him was, do you support uh, like asylum for Jewish people in Nazi Germany seeking refuge? And it was like, yeah. 70% of them said no or something. So yeah. like it's the same group of people that now are like, Oh, I don't want these people coming to the country and taking my job or whatever. Like it's, they were there, you know, 80 years ago saying, yeah. no, I don't really want the Jews, you know, fleeing, fleeing Nazi Germany to my country. It's kind of yeah, such a long cyclical history of that sort of thing. But. Yeah, foundational even for for our country, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Through many different different waves. Um, yeah, but I, I think um, you know another like that song. No one is missing on the record. Uh, there's a line on that. I, th I feel like in my music, I'm always trying to like toe toe line or like strike a balance between some specific reference, like the line you just referenced, or. Uh, like about U.S. borderlands or like specific memories I have in my life with like kind of I don't know bigger questions. I'm, I'm always like I I feel like I never want my music to especially because I am a teacher and educator in like one facet of my life. I don't want my music to feel like didactic and educational. Mm -hmm. I want it to like to me the beauty of like songwriting is to engage mystery and to like you know to engage questions that don't have easy answers and these like tensions that kind of define our lives, but we don't quite know what to do with. I feel like songwriting is a space that allows me to enter into that stuff and to feel with, with the questions that I have and, and to, or at least to put them out in the world and then release a record and have conversations like this around it, you know? So, um, so yeah, but I, I feel like another moment on the record where, I'm trying to make sense of this stuff is on uh, no one is missing. And there's, there's a line or two lines in a row that like, it's like drive me past the checkpoints to salvation mountain. And that's like from a specific memory that I have of being in, 
in California with some friends. We'd taken a, a trip down the West Coast and we're going to uh, to Salvation Mountain, the like kind of art uh, outsider art. Uh, I don't know what you, would you what you would call it a uh, exhibit or experiment in the mm -hmm. desert there, and which is like such a beautiful and inspiring place. Um, and but to get there from LA, it's like we went through like seven different like ice checkpoints like immigration and border checkpoints and it just felt like what is, what is our I don't, I don't know like yeah it felt so disheartening about what our country is and how we enforce these divisions between people and uh you know even even in the moment uh a day that felt so um you know kind of like focused on community and beauty and uh artistic expression that stuff like that break that stuff breaks through you know that's I think that's what it means to be an American we're always like we're always <laughs> encountering these things if, if we're aware to the, uh, if we're like awake to them you know so so yeah I think that that's that's definitely a presence on this record um hopefully yeah hopefully like not in too heavy-handed of a way again i'm not i'm not so. like trying to I, be like yeah educational with the record but it's just genuine genuinely stuff that i think about all the time and and uh and wrestle with i think partly because of what i study but also just uh partly because of yeah this moment that we're living through and the composition of my family and the part of the country that i'm from i'm just always kind of like these tensions feel very present in my life and songwriting is a way to yeah try to be honest about those and yeah, enter, I, enter the mystery in a sincere way, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely feel the same way, and uh, I don't think it's heavy-handed. It took a couple listens for me to start pulling <laughs> that stuff out too. Cool. So, um, so I want to go back a little bit. Um, you were mentioning yeah. some of the some of the you know personnel you had um, on this record, and um, Amy Godwin. What is your sort of what's the history of y'all's relationship because she's spectacular and i looked her up on discogs and there was like nothing right uh, and i was just like who is this person and this is so good <laughs> and how did y'all meet and start working together yeah yeah i'm so glad you asked about about amy she's she's one of my best friends in the world we uh we've known each other for a really long time i think we met in probably 2008 or 2009 when uh i was like just playing some shows with my college band, like around like South Carolina and Georgia. And, uh, Amy is from Atlanta and, uh, I think like was in college in Macon, Georgia. And we played in Macon and, uh, Amy opened up for us and opened up for the show. And I just remember like walking into the, uh, to the venue, like we got there like a little bit late because of the traffic or something. And I was like, you know, walking in with my guitars and just sort of immediately like, so inspired and, you know, kind of captivated by what was happening, like with the show. Like she's she's just a really uh, incredible singer and, and wonderful songwriter. And uh, yeah, so that that was like the first time we ever played together. Was kind of just one of these uh, happenstance things where you get put on a show together. But we became like friends that day and played more shows together in Georgia and South Carolina. And then in 2010 when it came time to record the first value maker record i i actually did the the first value maker record for my uh my thesis project with the university of south carolina and uh like my honor is for the honors college and i got a little mm -hmm. like grant to make the record and stuff and uh so i i knew i'd have a few days in the studio so i asked like i was like who 
uh, I was trying to think about who I would want to be involved in it. I was like, well, Amy's like literally the best singer I know. So <laughs> if she would agree to like be a part of it, that would be amazing. So um, I threw the idea out and, and we also listened to like a lot of the same music and kind of um, in those early conversations you have with like people, like especially fellow musicians, it, it felt like we were, you know, fellow travelers musically in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, talking about recording, especially in different influences and how we wanted to approach it. So, so yeah, we worked on that first record together and, um, yeah, we, we've been, uh, recording together and kind of collaborating ever since on, on recordings. And we, we've toured together some, uh, she, she teaches music. She's like a choir teacher and, uh, in Portland and isn't able to, to tour very often because of that. But we try to like make it happen whenever, whenever it's possible. But, um, but yeah, and it, this this record was really cool with Amy, especially because we did like with in line with this kind of different approach to recording. Um, we had before I left Seattle, we had a couple weekends where we kind of got together in the studio, with, like Amy, Trevor, the producer, and myself, and like demoed out the songs and really kind of thought about like of the seventeen or eighteen possible songs I had for the record, which were the ones that felt most cohesive as a record and then like how I guess pre-production would be the technical term for this but mm -hmm. you know like just kind of working out the the yeah the general approach we wanted to have to to the record and the recording and how the songs could take shape and Amy and I that was a chance for us to really think about our vocal interaction as like a core dimension of this um of this record process of recording process and how the record would take shape and uh yeah, I just I, I feel like I just uh, greatly value her friendship and collaboration, and I'm always like so. After making four records with her, it's like always my favorite part of recording when she goes into the vocal booth. It's like this is this is like when the the magic starts to happen, you know. <laughs> I'm like trying to get my stuff over so we can get to that point, you know. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. No, she's she's yeah, great. She's, uh, she definitely added. Uh, a cool dimension to the record. Um, Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So I, I guess speaking of those dimensions, you were saying before that, uh, you know, you and Travis kind of laid down like the main vocal track, the guitar, stuff like that. Um, were you kind of like, did you plan out all of the additional instrumentation kind of ahead of time? Or was that just like, I know someone who plays clarinet, let's get them in the studio and see what they do over this track sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Trevor, Trevor Spencer. Um, sorry. Was yeah, Trevor. The, uh, no worries. Uh, just, you know, for the audio. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we, I mentioned those kind of pre-production moments that like Amy and Trevor and I kind of had together. Uh, we, in those moments, like part of that was like, I'm, I'm always like, indecisive about like what key I should actually put my songs in so it was, it was some like really super foundational stuff like what key should the song be in like uh you know how what like how fast or slow do we want it to be like you know some of the kind of foundational decisions to make in recording but then also um yeah then sort of making a list of like what would be some cool possibilities so I feel like we kind of had a imaginative list going into the studio of different things that could work on mm -hmm. different songs. And then, you know, like sort of prioritized, you know, like, well, what, like 
so there are drums and percussion on most of the tracks and bass on most of the tracks. So we would sort of do that stuff first and then sort of, uh, I don't know, I, I'm always a big fan with, uh, in recording of like sort of working processually through building a song and asking like what it needs, you know, like not overproducing mm -hmm. something um, and trying to keep stuff pretty dynamic feeling. And, and there's definitely some, some lush moments on this record, but I, I think one of the reasons I feel really happy with how it turned out. I'm proud of it as, as a collection of, of songs and as, as a, at a production level is because it feels pretty dynamic to me. Like it has, uh, has some moments that are pretty open and raw, like guitar and vocals. And then some moments that have a lot of orchestration and are pretty lush. And um, yeah, I, I think that uh, that's sort of a result of how we tried to, to build the songs and always, always trying to be like, judicious about do we really need this or is this like really like necessary for the song mm -hmm. and, you know so um so yeah yeah it was it was definitely like we came in with a list and idea ideas for each song but then sort of like built that as we went along taking stock of how it was how uh yeah what what else it needed at any given point mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that kind of restraint is such a hard thing to do when you're like for sure well Cause you can just keep adding stuff, you know, there's kind of like no <laughs> limit to it. You know, you're, yeah. it's, it's not an 18 track or a 48 track or something. It's basically a infinity track recording process. I assume that you didn't do it on old definitely 48 track tapes, you know? No, um, we didn't No, Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we, we were in the digital realm for most of the record. I think we mm -hmm. like mixed the tape, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, the, yeah, because I, I don't know, if I think about a lot of the music that I really love, like, for example, someone like Gillian Welch, it's like, I don't know, her, her records, like, have such a beautiful simplicity to them, or, like, a lot of Dylan records, you know, it's like, or, you know, a lot of the names we mentioned earlier, but, yeah, maybe Gillian Welch should be a good reference, like, more more currently. Um, or someone like Sam Amidon, who I, I really, I'm, like, a huge fan of his work and how his records sound. Um you know, there's there uh, there is a like simplicity to the approach to recording that I think really lets the songs um, and the performance on everything really shine through. And uh, yeah, if you get super layered up on stuff, some of that like I don't know how honest a record feels or how immediately kind of uh, raw or transparent or captivating it feels kind of can the get dulled a bit. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It leaves a lot of space for kind of the songwriting to, you know, come front and center without yeah. that, you know, orchestra behind you. For I sure. mean, that being said, there, sure. there are some, you know, kind of beautiful, uh, one thing that kind of st stuck out to me is, or I guess one thing that I was kind of surprised by is how much some parts of the record do dig in and they have loud drums and they have kind of these almost, almost rock and roll kind of elements to them. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, that was really striking and really cool. And, you know, what you're saying, you know, trying to preserve the dynamics of the record, uh, you know, there's a, a broad, you know, mountain and valley of, of sound and density and stuff to it. Um, Thanks. Yeah, that was, that was the goal. So I'm, I'm glad to, Glad to hear you say that. It, it also, this is the first record I've ever had, like, um, you know, uh, woodwind instruments on as well, like flute and clarinet and bass clarinet. So that that was, that's kind of, I don't know, it's it's always fun to, like, introduce a new 
new texture into the uh, the project on any given record. And I feel like that's that's definitely a new new presence for for the history of my recordings. So that mm -hmm. was that was really fun to to have in the studio as like a new element to work with too. Morgan Henderson did all of that stuff. And so, yeah. Were you, uh, when you're, you know, working with Morgan, were you humming stuff for them or playing on piano yeah. or? <clears throat> Honestly, Morgan is so, uh, such a talented like musician. I feel like it was, it has, has it's such an imaginative player. I feel like we really kind of, when he came into the studio, we would just sort of play, what we had and then talk about, I, I would, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm kind of a fan of, especially cause I'm not like a classically trained musician. Like I can't just like write a like piece of sheet music for someone to play or something. So I, I, I feel like my communication in those moments is often like, here's how I want it to feel. Or this is like, you know, I mm -hmm. want the song to like, to in this moment to create this kind of, at this, this point in the song to create this kind of moment or like, you know, yeah, open things up or make it feel a little eerie or like create some tension or, you know, um, so I feel like that's, that's at the level of often, like that was kind of the level of communication. And then, yeah, it's, it's just, a, I, I don't know, I love recording and getting to record with people like Morgan is so fun because then he'd sort of go down and like try some stuff out and usually within either the first time or the second time it was like kind of perfect. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you had just like kind of a, a great, you know, like back and forth kind of vibe with like staying at the studio and being able to spend all day working on things and stuff. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, um, yeah, it was luxurious in that way. You know, it's, it's just to not feel the pressure of the, the time clock or like the reality of like, okay, these people are only here for this day and we only have the studio rented for mm -hmm. this day, which means we really need to get X, Y, and Z done. I'm, I'm like a pretty type A like project planner person too. So I, I, in the past, like recording, it's been, it's always like a challenge for me. I feel like I have to like meditate or something to be like, okay, like don't stress about the logistics, just try <laughs> to get like the best sound mm -hmm. and best performance and, getting to make this record in this way, I think was really good for me mentally and good for my personality too, to just sort of be at ease in all of those ways mm -hmm. and just enjoy, enjoy the process and be really present to it, you know? So, yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, being a USC student and going on tour with your band. Uh, what, what band was that? It was actually, this is a really hilarious part of my musical trajectory. When I had like a, sort of four person indie rock band for some reason i guess it started out as like just me and then i brought a band and i already had a recording so it just stayed under my name but it was like functionally it was like always the same people and kind of more like quote unquote indie rock than valley maker is <laughs> so during college days it was just austin crane that was the that was the band and then for like I mentioned with that senior thesis project in 2010, that was when I started playing under the moniker of a value maker. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of continued or it has continued to this day um, as a pretty like, you know, as a, as a vehicle for my songwriting, but as a pretty big tent of collaborators and uh, yeah, now due, due to the nature of like kind of where I've, 
got communities of friends and musicians, you know, there's people, people on the West coast that I'll tour with and people on the East coast and, and some in between as well. So yeah, I feel really, really fortunate and uh, yeah, grateful to have so many great players and friends, you know, yeah, in my, uh, in my musical, uh, yeah, circle. So. Hell yeah. And your, uh, your senior thesis record, this is just because I don't know anything about that sort of process. Did you have to like justify kind of like the artistic integrity behind it? Like it (laughs) it just seems like such a funny thing to put out a record as like a senior thesis. Like what was was the academic aspect of that? Well, you know, the, the honors college definitely is like a liberal arts kind of humanities approach in the sense of like, in the, in the sense of like, they really encouraged you to be, well-rounded and to do something that was like different from what you studied. So I was studying like international economics and development and uh, Russian language and literature. So Mm. that's like what I studied for my undergrad. Um, And then I, but I had always been a musician and songwriter and uh, mentioned that to the people at the honors college that I worked with, particularly like a English professor who I'd taken some, literature classes with and he was like you should write a collection of songs for um for the record and we had just uh i had taken a class with him called god and american letters and it was like a lot of uh like sort of you know about uh how america (laughs) like american uh yeah the history of america as a country has always had uh a significant like spiritual or from the foundation of the country throughout the evolution of our history um you know spirituality and religion particularly the christian faith has been you know uh for better or worse like a big part of that and uh literature you know people like flannery o'connor william faulkner or you know Mm -hmm. um zora neale hurston or like different people like you know uh have given us insight into that and uh yeah so we i just finished that class with him and uh He's like, you, you know, like you could write a collection of songs that engage with these ideas. And so that's what I did. And yeah, I, I basically wrote a song a week for that project and kind of carried it, uh, carried my guitar across campus and like played it for my advisor in the, <laughs> in the honors college. And uh, yeah, applied for a grant to do the recording and uh, got it and yeah, made the record. And I, the first show was actually on campus in uh in a little theater there that like i invited all my friends and professors and like screen printed some cds that i gave everyone and stuff so uh so yeah it's 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 a funny it's a really sort of funny beginning for the project because i i don't especially growing up in south carolina i feel like i like i grew up in a pretty small town here too in florence and uh so Mm -hmm. moving to columbia was even like a pretty big pretty big city for me at that point in my life. And I don't think I had any conception of like the fact that you could be a like working musician or that you could like tour regularly or like do like keep putting on records for such a like passion project hobby that uh, um, I just kind of kept going on in my life. Like I, uh, I finished that thesis project and then like went to work a job and then went to grad school and um but I put that record up on Bandcamp just like for free. And uh, I think like because it was free and people shared it and it got some like blog coverage and stuff back in that time, it uh, just it circulated in ways that I really couldn't account for and felt like pretty quickly, like way beyond 
people that I knew. Uh, so it sort of had, even though I wasn't touring or doing much with the project for like four or five years, I guess, until maybe 2015, that 2010 to 2015 range, like that thesis record sort of took on a bit of a life or circulation of its own just due to, uh, to band camp, I guess. That's awesome. <laughs> so thanks band camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, what made you kind of re reopen the, the Valley maker project, you know, five years after that? Well, I think it was kind of, uh, moving to Seattle. Um, I moved to Seattle, I guess in like 2013, 2014 timeframe. And, uh, you know, I like, I never stopped playing music. It's like, I, I play guitar and I'm like always writing songs, like basically, you know, I at least play, pick up my guitar every day and it's, it's a extremely regular part of my life. So um, I feel like when I moved to Seattle, it's such a historically and still today, like great music city. And, you know, I, I was, I moved there kind of with the idea, like, oh man, it would be amazing if I could like play some shows in Seattle or like have, have a bit of a life as a musician in that city. And uh, yeah, that just, that started to happen. I got connected with some different, musicians like i don't know chris staples for example was in seattle and asked me to play his like record release show like at the tractor tavern right when i moved there and that was like a really oh that's awesome that that like allowed me to meet a lot of people and chris has become a really good friend like since then and you know they're just different i got to open for destroyer in seattle like a few like maybe like a year after i lived there which was mind-blowing for me because i'm a huge dan bahar fan but uh yeah, you know, there were just like moments, like even in the early days in Seattle, that I ha- had a chance to kind of like play some of these shows that opened further doors, and yeah, had another record to release, and did that in 2015. And from that point on, I guess that was when I really started to have the idea that I could tour and do this a bit more regularly in my life. And that's, I guess, been incrementally increasing. Uh, until the pandemic and then now we'll we'll see what happens next i don't know mm-hmm. I'm, i feel uh, pretty open-handed about the future i guess but i i do feel really excited to put this record out and i i think it's it's uh th- this new record when the dailies is, is definitely my favorite thing i've done I, I'm, I'm really at a songwriting and production level i'm really uh proud of it and just super excited to to share it with folks so hopefully some shows can happen sometime but <laughs> we'll see yeah well i I think people are going to be so ecstatic about being able to see shows when all this is over i know i know i've I've seen a lot of musicians like yeah i mean touring is not like the most comfortable thing in the world to do usually it's often uh quite uncomfortable actually Mm. (laughs) but uh i've seen a lot of people kind of on music twitter and other places just sort of being like man i didn't realize i was like having the best times of my life when I was, you know, in the <laughs> middle of like feeling bad about myself on tour or like mm-hmm. being uncomfortable or whatever. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I miss it so much. And yeah, there's just like, I don't know the humanity of being in a, in a concert and, and play, getting to play a concert. And yeah, like I was saying earlier, it just feels strange to be putting out this record and not to have that kind of immediate feedback and interaction around it. I'm going to miss that a lot, but hopefully it'll, it'll come soon. Be back soon. Yeah. I guess the question is, 
do you start working on the next record and then tour a double record? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Depending yeah, we'll see. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe that's like one luxury of having a few records out at this point. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I I don't feel like I have to tour like always in relation to a record because mm. I, I don't know. It's It's fun to pull from different in any given set, I like to pull from like the first record and the second and the third, you know, and, and on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'll it'll happen when it can happen. And yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of. Uh, I I believe like with recording and songwriting that 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 should happen when the time's right and not like be a purely like strategic financial decision. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Not to minimize that stuff, but I, I just uh, I think that. I don't know. Making a record is a really special thing. And I don't know, like we talked about the process of making this one. I feel like it, it's, it's best when it can come together naturally, you know, or as it on its own time, I should say. Have you been able to feel, feel out like a natural way to, to kind of replace some of that interaction from shows? Like, I don't know, you know, any sort of like Instagram live or stage <laughs> it or anything. It, I know that's kind of a, a fraught subject because um, it's not the same thing, but has, have any of those sure. kind of solutions, you know, satisfied you? Well, you know, I did a few of those kinds of things right when the pandemic started. So I guess like March, April, May. Um, and then I did, well, to be, to be honest, our house turned into a total construction zone and we adopted a puppy. So I felt like the, <laughs> the, the those two things together. <laughs> <laughs> meant that my uh like the first 15 minutes of this podcast my uh i was not in a sonically conducive uh space to be doing a live stream concert but uh yeah i i plan to do some of that stuff following this record um that's that's something that i want to pick back up for sure and it, it's not the same and um i don't know i'm i'm like this i don't mean this to sound pretentious i really don't like mean it in any way that i'm like too good for technology but because i rely on it in many ways in my life but i also like am always trying to have a healthy relationship with technology and social media and like minimize the role of that stuff in my life and it just feels like to do music well at all in this season i need to like be in social media hyperdrive mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i'm not very good at it i'm, I'm always trying to be like better at it and be more active on it but it's not something that i think about a lot during the day so so that's an area that i am continually trying to to grow in personally and and get better at but um (laughs) but yeah i don't know it's it's definitely better than nothing you know i mean it's like i don't know it was it was definitely cool to put out that first single a few weeks ago and just hear from a lot of different people around the country and around the world because that's that's been like such a beautiful thing about getting to tour and uh having gone on multiple tours in the in North America and in Europe is like I feel like I have all these people that my life has intersected with like in different places in Berlin or in Spain or in London or like I don't know in Chicago or Minneapolis or like all over the country that uh it's it's just really uh I don't know I feel sad to like not have seen many of them for a long time but it's it's cool at least on on Instagram or different sites to be able to say hey to each other and check in a little bit. Um, I feel like I, the day the single came out, I was like on Instagram so much. I got like a massive headache and had to get to bed <laughs> early. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to trying to embrace that stuff because it does kind of feel like what we have in this moment to to interact at some point mm. because we need to be safe and uh, yeah, get through this pandemic. So yeah, I agree. I I actually kind of like some of it. You know, depending yeah. on whether it's, it's well done or not. Um, there's a guy, uh, he's actually been on the show, Grantley Phillips, um, Nashville guy. And he does ones where, uh, he uses like a, a platform that has like a chat feature. So okay. when he's playing, like it's very loose. So he doesn't really have a set list and people can requ- request songs and he could just like mess around and respond to people and stuff like that. And it honestly, it feels 75% like being at a show, you know? Nice. That's um, cool. But then I've also yeah. seen ones where people have set up their, their phone across the room and it's like them up against a wall, you know, playing slightly ajar to the camera. And it's kind of like, I'm not getting much out of this. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of what I mean by like mediated by technology. It feels like, to some degree, yeah, and it's cool. I guess it sounds like this person you're referencing, like, kind of embrace him. But it's even in turn, like, I did one live stream show and then, like, watched watched the video back for, like, a few minutes. And there were, like, glitches in the, like, you know, techno- the, the video. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, processing at the right speed or something. So, I don't know. It feels like uh, you can try you can set up the mics and get the levels right and all that stuff but then there's this other level of mediation that uh is a little bit out of out of your hands but uh but yeah yeah it's it's uh i'm I'm definitely going to be trying to do some of that stuff in the weeks ahead and and following the record release in particular so awesome well we'll look forward yeah. to that That's yeah awesome. thanks uh, yeah i'll posted. do like one like ticketed live stream thing we're working on the plans for it now but that'll be that'll be sometime in march kind of following the following the release red well uh yeah i've got one more question if you've got some time i do yeah Please. um i was wondering about the music video that you just released um yeah I, it's unmistakably a south carolina <laughs> music video you know it doesn't look <laughs> like you sure. made it in seattle um yeah i guess kind of what was what was the process like for that like how did how did that all come together um because it, it's just so evocative of like you know day trips down to like the low country kind of for sure yeah it's it's like very much a low country setting yeah i uh yeah that's that's like a part of uh south carolina that feels really sentimental and you know like for i i, I didn't grow up in that part of the state but i always like loved going to it my whole life and uh it's it was uh we filmed it on edisto island mostly at uh Mm -hmm. botany bay uh wildlife preserve um and yeah it's it's uh i had actually never been to edisto though like my family kind of growing up we would we would go like further up on the coast like more kind of like polly's island area Mm -hmm. and uh so I hadn't ever gone to Edisto until we actually moved back. And uh, we went on like, uh, like last summer um, just to kind of get away and get outside a little bit. And uh, as soon as I went to that Botany Bay area, I was like this, I have to do the music video here. <laughs> this is like such a cool otherworldly environment. And you know, like the whole, have you been to that place in particular? I have, before? Yeah. 
Yeah, so you know the beach is only even accessible for like a few hours at like low tide, and it, it just felt like um, as a setting, it had a lot of resonance with the song and the record. And uh, also, I kind of like the idea. Like, this is maybe super meta, but I liked the idea of like making the record in Seattle and then having like the first like video or the the video that we put out to announce the record at least. Um, it wasn't the first video because Mockingbird came out last year, but um, yeah, the first video like for the for the album announcement to be like a very like you said unmistakably kind of South Carolina uh, setting and to kind of be like an arrival here in this place or something. Um, but yeah, that's uh, my my friend Austin Grabant's in town here. Um, like we just kind of went down there and in a socially distanced way, like made the video and. Uh, worked on it kind of over the course of uh, a day or two and uh you know uh it was just super fun i mean that's that place is so beautiful and inspiring as as a setting um and it, it felt fun to be able to to share it with people you know mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of unspoiled yeah yeah i uh there is a part on your record um it it talks about uh cypress knees and then it, the, yeah. I think the the lining part of the couplet says like I should have written this down. It says like at nine nine o'clock we feel at ease or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, just yeah. like, oh, you get it because it's so hot all the time. And then finally, <laughs> like several hours after the sun goes down, you're finally yeah. like not sweating. And I was like, oh, this is the very also a very like south carolina feeling yeah thing, man. you know with, i love with the cypress i love that you picked up on that line because that was one of uh yeah mockingbird and that song were the two that i wrote like kind of after after moving back and yeah that was like like writing that song on a revelation is the name of it that that line it's uh yeah it's uh cypress knees the talking breeze it's about nine the time we need to feel at ease which yeah is mm-hmm. definitely like a kind of reflection of like what it means to like live in this part of the country and yeah, how, yeah, just how, uh, the, the rhythm of life in relation to the, the natural world is such that, yeah, you're often like not going outside until the <laughs> evening. and it's, it's like, but there's like a real kind of, I don't know, one, one of my, whenever I would come back to South Carolina from Seattle and have like these like evening hangs with people around shows and stuff, I always like, one of the things I missed the most were like porch hangs, you know, just like mm-hmm. kind of, especially after it cools down in the, in the evening, um, sitting outside drinking some beers and kind of like, I don't know, have, having that sort of porch talk, talking about like anything and everything, you know, into mm-hmm. the evening on the porch. That's just, that's something that has always felt very like, I don't know, associated with this, uh, this place and, uh, this community of, of friends that I'm in here. And yeah. So I like that you picked up on that. That's cool. Well, awesome. Austin, thanks yeah. a lot for, for talking with me today. Oh, for sure, Eddie. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to to be a part of it, man. I, I love that this is based in Columbia. And uh, yeah, part part of the the music ecosystem that we both exist in, that makes it extra extra cool <laughs> and meaningful. So Absolutely. Well, we're looking yeah. forward to February 19th. Uh, do you have a particular place people should pre-order the record? I know it's on um, your website because I pre-ordered it through that, but I didn't know if you prefer. Oh yeah, I saw that today. Thanks for that. Camp or um, anything or? Yeah, I mean it's it's whatever people prefer. Yeah, there's there's a link in all the 
all the biographies on different sites that will give you some <laughs> options for it. And yeah, wh- wherever people prefer is, is great. So well, awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, for all sure. Right, I'll talk Thank to you, you later. later. All right, man. Take it easy. I'll see you around town. I hope when uh, we're back out into the world. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm, I'm going to go to every show that happens when this is over. I'll see you there. Yeah. All right. Sure. <laughs> Racing.